0: Welcome to True Wealth Conversations. Healthy and wealthy conversations about love, life, business, and motherhood. Nothing is off limits, and I am your host, Dominique Broadway. Welcome back to another episode of True Wealth Conversations, and we're live here today at Black Equity Con with another amazing, amazing guest who's been making it rain all throughout the conference, giving away money to amazing entrepreneurs. And I'm super excited to have our guest. Her name is Felicia Hatcher, a friend of mine that I've known for Quite some time now, believe it or not, right? A little older, closer to ten years. Yeah, now, that's yeah, that's that's a little scary. Uh, so <laughs> we ain't gonna age ourselves at all, but you know, a couple years. But Felicia, tell everyone a little about you. Sure, I am
1: Florida native. I am the CEO of Pharrell Williams Black Ambition Opportunity Fund, so I get to give away money hey. to Black and Latinx companies mm-hmm. as well as HBCU startups as, as well. Wow! And then I co-founded the Center for Black Innovation with my husband, which is a really cool space here in, in Miami. Yes.
0: And I remember when I first met you, you had pop. Feverish pops. Yes. Yeah. So you had these like amazing popsicles. Yeah. That was like your first kind of First, launches entrepreneurship, first right? Big launch. Okay. I, I
1: had a company in college that got stolen from me and I had oh. swore off entrepreneurship. <laughs> wow. And so I'm always surprised that I ever ended up back into it because I was just so burned by that having that first dream. Do you mind sharing it.
0: how it got stolen so we can make yeah. sure it don't happen to us? <laughs> <laughs> it was hiring someone
1: and also really young, right? Mm-hmm. I think I was probably like twenty years old when I started the company. Had gotten like this really big grant and contract, was doing educational consulting wow. for like DeVry University and churches. I'd won one hundred thirty thousand dollars in scholarships wow. as a C student.
0: Wow! Oh wow! So Wow! Right. So when, wow.
1: when, right. And so when <laughs> that happens, your mom tells all her friends, and mm-hmm. all her friends are just like, "Teach my kids too." And then I stumbled upon actually having to turn that into a business because mm-hmm. I was spending so much time doing it. And so I had hired actually someone I went to school with. Mm-hmm to help me with this contract. I had 25 students, had to build out the program and You know, you sometimes you don't see the red flags, Mm. but then when you look back and he just kept asking me for information Mm. all the time. And I was just like, I need the help. So I'm just readily giving it. (laughs) And because, you know, if you're not planning your business right, you Mm. operate in a form of desperation as opposed to like strategy and like thinking big picture, but then also protecting your intellectual property that Mm. you built. And I actually went to a leadership program over the summer at John Hopkins University Mm. when I came back. I actually found out through a voicemail
0: wow. that
1: he had stolen the contract from me. So I was devastated. I was wow. like, I never ever want if like if this is what entrepreneurship is like, <laughs> like I don't day want day no day part day. of this pain and suffering. For me. Right. And then but the biggest lesson that <laughs> I Heck, was that's trust right? yeah, yeah. which I think a lot of entrepreneurs just struggle with mm-hmm. is trusting enough people to live on and carry on like the vision. So that they can focus on business development or like whatever their genius is in their mm-hmm.
0: business. Wow. That's I, I didn't know that. That's, yeah. yeah, that that's tough. I think, like you said, as entrepreneurs, you you want to trust mm-hmm. someone else. But it hurts when especially someone close to you yeah. comes in and, and attacks you. And I've, I've personally dealt with it. And it's, it's hard. It's and hard. It, it makes you not even want to do it. like you said. you know, I don't want to do this anymore. This isn't even fun. Let's get back to the fun. <laughs> So after you did that, so we talked about Feverish Pop, which I know you were like taking over Miami with your popsicles. We were one of the first
1: ones to do it, yeah. right? One of the first companies across the nation to actually put alcohol into popsicles yeah. successfully. Wow. And that required a like high output commercial machine from China, like more <laughs> info than people want to know. But yeah. like if you're ever wondering why can't you freeze popsicles mm-hmm. with alcohol at home, that's yeah. the reason, right? And yeah. So oh, good um point. and that was a journey within itself that mm-hmm. taught us a lot of lessons too and you know we started code fever that turned into black tech week mm-hmm. that's now the center out of wanting to support our employees mm-hmm. when we were building that company wow. so wow, it's been
0: a journey uh, yeah it has been a journey so now you've sold black tech week mm-hmm. which is congratulations and now you are focusing more on your speaking yes right your dynamic speaker and also working with pearl williams mm-hmm on Black Ambition. So what has what that shift been like? I remember we, we had a happy hour mm-hmm. like a couple like a year ago and you were saying that you, you, know, you were thinking about making this transition. I, I know a lot of times with, you know, as entrepreneurs, we start something and it kind of turns into our baby and we never want to leave yeah. it. What has that transition been for you? Because I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs who may have started something and feel mm-hmm. so connected to it and you almost feel guilty for wanting to do something else. So how did you navigate that?
1: Definitely a mixed bag of emotions, right? Mm -hmm. Like I some people come to me and they're just like, that had to be like such an easy like transition. I was like, no, it's probably one of the (laughs) hardest things that I've done. But you know, I I went to therapy for three months in order to like just mentally prepare. Mm -hmm. There's an identity shift of like who are you without this identity or this Mm -hmm. brand that you created? And I had to I spent a year going through that separation before I publicly start saying I was ready to transition Mm. to something else. And then it's like, and then there was this moment where, you know, how open, not to sound cheesy, Oprah, but like (laughs) Oprah, super soul Sunday. So when she's like, you know, when you make a decision, the world will transpire to like support you in that Mm. decision. That's so true though. Right. And so when I finally said I am ready to leave, and I start publicly sharing it with some of our partners my husband and I had many conversations our other business partner mm-hmm. who was not happy that I wanted to transition <laughs> he told me you need to wait another 5 years I'm like there's no way like <laughs> that's too I'm long ready. <laughs> I'm ready right now uh, right but when you there there comes a time where you need to transition and mm-hmm. if you don't you start to do more harm than good for the mm, business. Very true. Because you don't show up as your whole self. Yeah, yeah. You start resenting the work. I was starting to pop off on people. I shouldn't be popping off on people <laughs> because I was just frustrated. Yeah. I was just like, this isn't, Over
0: my heart isn't in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then
1: more as it was for the first seven years of building this. Mm. And so I knew a collective of all of those things. And then I also want to do other things. Yeah. And Catherine Finney, who founded Digital Undivided, mm-hmm. you know, she transitioned from her organization that mm-hmm. she founded and now launch a fund but i just remember this linkedin article that she wrote and like the beginning of it said i i have built things and i will build again Mm -hmm. and i probably read that article 10 times but i read that line at least 20 times and for me i was like all right that was confirmation Mm -hmm. that like whatever this next thing was and i didn't know what it was going to be that like i've built things and i can absolutely build again again yeah so I that was that. it. So black women always be like yeah. giving you giving you the things without yeah. even realizing it. Right. It's probably it's her manifesto. Yeah. of leaving, But I think it allowed all of us to say, I can build something else yeah. again. And there are other levels, other things that we can do because we're brilliant. You're yeah. bri- first of all, you are brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Right. But there's new levels in which how we want to impact. Yeah. people, How we want to change lives. And it's not always gonna be in staying with the thing that we created yeah. for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Yeah. Like I don't, I, I don't think that that happens anymore.
0: It doesn't. Know? I'm so happy you said that. Cause I, I've even met people where they're like in something and they're just like, Oh, I'm over it, but how do I transition? How do I separate from this right. and not lose myself yeah. or yeah. no longer be relevant? Or you know what I mean? Like it's it's a hard transition and it's mm-hmm. something that like I said, I've I've seen more and more people running. I don't know if it's if the age we at now, but you know, more and more people feeling like I wanna do something else. Yeah. Am I wrong for wanting to do something else? Mm. So thank you so much for for sharing that. So now you're the CEO of Black Invision, which is an amazing organization yeah. that is just really, what well, they say, putting your money where the, Absolutely. what is it? What's where it your saying? mouth Where well, your mouth is. Absolutely. I'm so bad with sayings. I'm always trying to drop a saying and I never got it right. Really putting their money where their mouth is. So tell us about the work that you're doing yeah. at Black Inmission. You know, one of the things that
1: I, myself and my husband, haven't been able to do at a grand scale with Center for Black Innovation was actually directly fund startups. Mm-hmm. Like We could make the connections happen. But, like, actually putting and being able to write really big checks for founders was what attracted me to this role, among other things, right? And then being able to do this work from a completely different lens, pot of resources, Mm -hmm. like, all of those things. And so... You know, we fund Black and Latinx and HBCU startup founders at what we feel is like the highest level. Right. And then also equally match them to like really high quality mentorship and then high quality resources mm. And so, Like a lot of the relationships are literally Pharrell's relationships mm-hmm. and leveraging them to accelerate where our founders are and where they need to be and ultimately where they want to go much faster. Mm. And so we know wealth has a need for speed, right? Fundraising has a need for speed. Mm. And oftentimes Black and Latinx entrepreneurs waste so much time trying to navigate proximity to power, proximity to money, racism, bias, the gaps in the funding. Mm. Like there's all these things that take so long for them to get the capital that they need. And so how can we take that out the way? Mm -hmm. How can we create... Pathways for them, where their entrepreneurship journey is uninterrupted by Mm. all of that stuff, which is big and weighty. But that's also the responsibility that we've been taking on. So we funded thirty-four companies last year. Wow,
0: that is amazing! Right, that's amazing.
1: They've gone on to raise another fifty million dollars in venture capital funding. Wow, wow, rolling out into like two hundred and fifty targets and all the Marriotts, like just really great group of founders Mm. that also prove the thesis like give them the money give them mentors that don't just say good job Dominique," but like no i'm gonna pick up the phone and call target because i know somebody yeah that's
0: what it's a that's what it's about and i know even me i'm like i was thinking i was like wow i've been running finances mystifier full-time for nine years nine years yes i've been working Uh and i'm like wow i have never raised any money no one's I mean, obviously you have your connections, but a lot of the things I've done, I've mm-hmm. done on my own, right? So let's say someone like myself, or someone just brand new that's getting started. And I know y'all, y'all got you, you're, they're accepting applications right now. They're giving yeah. away a million dollars, but I'm two, sure three, two, three, three, we'll be at oh, close to Three million. $3 million. million. Okay, yeah. a lot of want to give them the three million dollars. <laughs> no, go. Gotta add them zero. Yes, Don't that's a lot. But well, how do people prepare? Because yeah. I feel like a lot of times I meet entrepreneurs and they're like, well, I have this great idea. Just give me the money. And I'm just like, well, what did you do? Right? right. How do you prepare? And I'm sure you, y'all probably get applications and you're like, what in the world? A lot of so, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how do, you, how do entrepreneurs, or let's say even someone like myself, we're trying to maybe get outside funding that you've mm-hmm. never gotten before. How do you prepare or best? position yourself so that you can shine through on the application right
1: right. there's a few things right like one start being vocal that you are actually raising capital Mm -hmm. because we assume that the capital will be attracted to us if we just keep our heads down and do the thing or build Mm -hmm. the thing like no you actually need to let people know like Mm -hmm. i'm raising and this is how much money i'm raising Mm -hmm. right there's that there's some of the typical stuff right product market fit Mm being able to showcase that you have a really good team. I always tell like black people, like, please share your receipts Mm. because when you're, especially when you're sitting with, VC or angel investors that are, don't look like you, yeah. And if you have not told them what makes you qualify to sit in front of them, they don't hear anything that you're pitching until mm. you get to that
0: point. Yeah.
1: And it's so so valid. brag,
0: brag <laughs> a little. And like we we are so humble, okay. And, okay. We are so humble. A, like I a do a, a, do a fault, little thing. Like, like, you'll talk to, to a, a fault,
1: founder, yeah. and they'll be like, I went to school in Boston. I'm like, what school? in Harvard. I'm like, why did you leave Harvard? <laughs> you paid for that brand name <laughs> so that people sit up. Yes. When they say yeah for that network like like and the the reality is of it is like we're not asking you to lie embellish I'm just asking you to step into your truth mm-hmm. and say why are you qualified to build this mm-hmm. right and and letting people know then also the journey that you were going to take them on together. How are they going to get their money back? back. Yes. And then yeah. what else do you need? And I think a lot of times we just talk about the money, but you don't also make sure that that's the best investor for you too. Mm-hmm. And so as much as they do their due diligence on you, you also have to do your due diligence mm-hmm. on who do you want on your cap table? Because mm-hmm. that's a bit of a shotgun marriage, mm-hmm. right? Like yes, y'all quickly making a decision. There's a transaction, but it can go left really fast mm-hmm. if you're not pr- bringing the right person in to your company and in and, and your environment. And so those are some of the things and then I think a resource magnetism, mm-hmm. right? Like, if you don't get the funding, are you still going to be able to build the business mm-hmm. and attract the resource and attract the talent? Share how you're able to yeah. do so, right? With the lack of capital. But then when you do have the capital mm-hmm. and then more than anything, know what you go- you're you going to do with the money. Yes. Because so yeah. many founders say, I need a million dollars. What would you going to spend a million dollars? <laughs> oh, um, I'm going to, you know, hire an influencer. But like, how are we going to measure that, right? Set not a plan. Uh, what employees? <laughs> you want to run a million dollars, you're going to take in a million dollars and you're not going to hire any staff. And so be strategic, but then also ask really good questions mm. of the people that you're meeting with so that you can make sure that they're a good fit and see what else can they bring to the table for you.
0: That's that's all very, very good. And then let's say, because the other thing too, like you said, I feel like everybody wants to raise money. Yeah. I want to raise money. I want 500,000. I want a million. I want a couple million. And a million is great, but it can, if you don't have a plan for it, it can go very quickly. Very quickly. What are your thoughts on, because like I said, I don't feel like everybody needs to raise money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who do you feel, like when you're looking at companies, what makes a company like, oh, this company should be raising money versus this one, it ain't. they don't need to be raising money. How do you determine, or even as, as an entrepreneur, how yeah. do you determine, yeah. do I raise money or I just keep doing this thing the way I'm doing it?
1: Yeah, it's there's a few things. Right. So I think that's really the bi- the difference between knowing if you are a small business mm-hmm. that happens to be playing well in the startup mm-hmm. space or if you're an actual true startup. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the core definition of a startup is a company that has a scalable and repeatable business model that can rapidly scale within two to three years top. Mm. Traditional small businesses are not scaling that, that fast. fast yeah. And they're not able to give their investors a sizable return, you know, 5, 10X return in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. And so being very honest with yourself is saying, hey, you know what? There's nothing wrong with good old customer funding. Like, mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with yeah. that. And a lot of our businesses will just play much better with, being a traditional startup, looking at ways in which they can increase the mm-hmm. number of customers they service, but then still being able to use some of the resources, maybe still joining some accelerators. Mm-hmm. Like, be very clear and be very honest. Yeah. And then I think the other part of that that we don't often talk about is like, once you receive the money, a lot happens. Mm-hmm. And so making sure that you were the type of leader that can lead leaders, mm-hmm. you're someone that can communicate with investors on yeah. an ongoing basis. You're now bringing someone that's going to want to look at the numbers. It's a lot of the,
0: people to answer to. It's now. a lot of people <laughs> to answer
1: to. And is that what you want in yeah, your business? Yeah. And so you have to, there's no just, there's no silent, there's no such thing as a silent investor. Mm. But when people are giving you their money, they're going to be loud in some sort of capacity. Yeah, they
0: give giving you their money. <laughs> and <laughs> and you that. Yeah, Do you want to manage that? Do you want to
1: manage a board? Like there's all these things that you mm-hmm. just have to almost kind of checklist of like, is this a company that I want to raise? Mm-hmm. And, some businesses are lifestyle businesses, and that's mm-hmm. perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. They'll do $100,000, $200,000 in revenue. Mm-hmm. The person lives a really kind of like modest life mm-hmm. or nomadic life. And so realize the type of business that you want mm-hmm. and be very honest and not just be, wow, by like the shiny object of yeah. OPM. Yeah. OPM is great. Yeah, Derek talks about, yeah, he mm-hmm. teaches OPM, right? Yeah. But it's not for everybody.
0: Yeah. We were talking about that. We had Gamal on mm-hmm. earlier just talking about even the exiting. Right. So, what's your exit plan? Mm -hmm. Like, are you starting this business where you're just like, hey, I want to start this business and pass it down to my daughter and I'm going to bake cookies and she's going to bake cookies and we're going to be a family of cookie bakers? You know, or like you, hey, I want to create something that I can scale and then sell. Mm -hmm. You know, me personally, I'm trying to scale and then sell. Mm -hmm. And my legacy for my children. Might not be finances to mm-hmm. It might be something else, right? Because we can build new things. So I think that's a, that's another important thing too, you know, thinking about what is that exit? What do you want that to look like? Because a lot of people don't even think about the exit at mm-hmm. all, and you, you have know?
1: And you have to answer that question the day you start your business. Like, are you building something That you plan to sell Mm at a certain point or you want to keep in your family for generations. Either way, you want to operate in the mindset that you plan to sell it because you start putting the systems in place Place, that you are not working in the business. You're working on the business. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, just in full transparency, when we took on venture funding for Feverish, like we were like we randomly got a deck from Mm -hmm. one of the associates (laughs) Uh -uh. that had the investors exit strategy in there. Mm. I think within three years they wanted to exit. When I say Derek and I were heartbroken, you are like, what do you mean? We're not going to be married for the next five to 10 years. Like, we're not in this for the long haul. And uh, they were like, no. I mean, the associate was like, whatever you do, please do not tell them that you yeah. that. But it was the biggest eye opener to us as entrepreneurs that like we didn't have an exit plan. Mm. We weren't even thinking about an exit, but then it made us ask some really hard questions of ourselves. Like, what does an exit look like for yeah. us? How long do we actually want to run this business what does scale actually truly look like for us? And then we were also starting to build a family. And so like, how is all of this going to mm-hmm. impact us? Right. And so those were we needed that moment just to really underst- have a better understanding of how business and venture actually work. But when I said we weren't thinking about an exit strategy, mm-hmm. we just weren't at all.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah. And that's like I remember when I first started my business, I was like, I was like, man, I would love to start something and sell it to like Mint or something mm-hmm. like that or Quicken or, you know, QuickBooks. Those are like some of my my original thoughts for sure. So, well, thank you so much for, for joining me. This is all so good. I hope this information allows you to start thinking about what it truly takes to raise money and deciding, do you even need right. money, right? Is this something that, and I think that's a lot of sounds like people don't think about all that. Mm-hmm. So hopefully these are a lot of tips that can help you prepare. Where can people find you and all the amazing things you have going on? I'm
1: literally at Felicia Hatcher on everything because okay. it's easy for me to remember. <laughs> uh, and then Black Ambition Prize is where you find more information about, you know, the five verticals in which we fund, mm-hmm our big prize competition, and then our regional prize competitions that we do at events and across Mm -hmm. the nation as well.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, thank you again Mm -hmm. for coming on. You've seen another episode of True Wealth Conversations live here at Black Equity Con. See you soon. Thank you for listening to True Wealth Conversations. I would love to connect with you on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Let me know what you thought of today's episode by leaving a review or rating. See you soon.